Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. So that happened. Yeah, I'm fired up about that. That's why we're here today. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Good to see you party people on Easter morning. I don't know what you think of when you think of Easter. Uh, Maybe you think of the empty tomb and Jesus. Maybe you think of the Easter bunny. Uh, Maybe you think of fashion, like now we can officially wear white pants and pastel colors without being judged. Uh, so maybe that's, maybe that's a part of Easter. I'll tell you what I think of a lot when Easter rolls around, uh, those Reese cup eggs. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think of Jesus too, but I'm saying that those Reese cup eggs, like I just picture it, like when you think about it, I mean, like think about those eggs, they're, they're kind of in the shape of the, the stone that was in front of the tomb. And uh, like I like to picture that as I, as I take them out of the wrapper, I roll them out of the wrapper and into my mouth. It spiritualizes it a little bit. It makes me feel better. Elizabeth's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm celebrating Easter. I'm celebrating the fact. You don't want the door to still be closed on the tomb, do you? All right, then. You need a, What kind of sinner are you? Like, roll that thing out of the wrapper and, and eat that thing. That's uh, what, I, what I think about sometimes when I think about Easter. Um, it's, it really is. It's actually, if you think about it, it really is the tomb door. Uh, it's shaped like that. The, they had to call it an egg because it's marketing. It's a huge marketing ploy. Because if you, if you really say it out loud, it doesn't sound right. Like nobody would say, hey man, go to the gas station and pick us up a four pack of those Reese tomb doors. Right? So it's just not the same rings. They're like, all right, so we got to call them egg. It's the tomb door, but you, we got to call them an egg. They settled for that. Uh, I, I know you've heard the Easter story before, uh, but I bet, I'd be willing to bet that there are some details about this story that, that you have missed, just like maybe you missed that detail about the Reese egg. Uh, let, me, let me read it to you out of, out of John chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the tomb stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put them. Little detail here, there are two disciples that were first told by the women, Peter and then John. John, the John that wrote the book of John. John, the one that affectionately calls himself In the third person, the disciple that Jesus loved. A really flattering tale. When he's writing his book, he's like, hey guys, I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm his favorite. Okay, So Peter and his favorite rolled up to the tomb. Verse 3, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Did you catch that? Did you catch that little detail? John is getting ready to tell the entire world that Jesus rose from the dead, that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. But for some reason, he wanted us to know 2,000-some-odd years later, the people in this room, before I tell you that, I need to tell you, did I mention that I got to the tomb first? Did I tell y'all that it was a race and that I beat 
Peter to the tomb. I just want to let y'all know I'm a fast runner, okay? Jesus died to save the world from their sins, but I can run fast. Can you imagine Peter picking this book up for the first time, right? John hands it to him and says, hey, man, I, I, I wrote the book, and you're actually in it a few times. And Peter's like, all right, cool. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Really? You put that in there, man? You know I got bad knees. You know I got, you know. You didn't even say on your mark, get set, go. You didn't say this is a race. You didn't say let's see who can get there first. You didn't even say that. You didn't say any of that. It was not, it was not a race. Like, I feel like if Peter was here today, he'd be like, now y'all know that wasn't a race, right? Like, like just I'm going to say something right here, but at the very beginning, he did not say go. It was not a competition. Verse 6, then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Did you catch that? Did you, did you catch that part of the story? Out of all of the things that John could have written down, out of all of the things that he could have observed when he walked into the tomb, out of everything that they could have said and recorded in this book to tell you, do you know the detail that Peter said he saw? Peter said, I walked into the tomb and I looked where Jesus was lying and I looked over at John and said, can you believe this, bro? He made his bed before he left. It says they were folded up neatly and placed to the side. Jesus rose from the dead and made his bed on the way out. How savage is that, man? Like, how crazy is that? So if you're a parent in here, let's just agree to start a new uh, Easter tradition. Go home today and look at your kids and say, hey, we're going to start a new Easter tradition. I'm going to try to help you little sinners be more like Jesus Every Easter from here on out, we are going to wake up early in the morning and everybody is going to make their bed. Everybody is going to make their bed on Easter morning. And I don't want to hear that you don't have time. Jesus died on the cross, stayed in the grave for three days, forgave all of humanity for their sins, rose out of the grave, and he found time to make his bed before he left. So I don't want to hear from you. There is no excuses. All kinds of details in this story that if we don't watch out, like, we'll, we'll miss. I bet that you haven't heard some of those sides of the Easter story before. And here's what I've realized, something about most people today. Most people have never really heard the real story of Jesus. I mean, they've heard stories of Jesus and certain people's interpretations of Jesus, but they've never really seen the real Jesus, because the story of the real Jesus starts way before Easter Sunday. It starts way before he was in the tomb for three days, way before he died on the cross, before the Last Supper with his disciples, before Palm Sunday, before all of that. I want to take a few minutes to share a quick story with you this morning that will show you who the real Jesus is, details that you may have overlooked. And listen, I'm telling you, a lot of people have never heard of this Jesus before. And I'm willing to bet that if you meet the real Jesus, if you would just give it a shot to get to know him a little bit more, then I think it'll surprise you. I don't know if you've ever heard this side of Jesus before and who Jesus really is. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to lay out. Matthew actually wrote the book of Matthew, and he included the story of when he first met Jesus. First time he met the real 
Jesus. I know he'd heard of him before, maybe heard some stories, maybe heard what he had done, but when he met the real Jesus for the very first time, this is what happened. This is how it went down. As Jesus went on from there, Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 9, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now listen to what listen to what scripture says that Jesus saw. This is Matthew telling the story of what Jesus saw and how Matthew encountered the real Jesus for the very first time. He saw a man named Matthew who was also sitting at a tax collector's booth. The first thing I want you to see and notice is this Matthew was not looking for Jesus. Jesus was the one that was looking for Matthew, right? Sometimes you, you hear stories and, and people will share their stories of how they met Jesus and uh, like they, they'll share like their conversion and, and they'll say things like, hey, I want to tell you about the time that I found God or I met God or like this was my life before Jesus and then I found God in the midst of it. Can I just tell you that nobody has ever found God <laughs> because God was never lost, right? It's not like you were walking around at the mall and all of a sudden you see Jesus standing in line at the Cinnabon and you're like, Je- Jesus Christ, are you serious? Everybody has been looking for you. Where have you been? Come, put that Cinnabon down and come with me right now. That you need, come on. Hey, everybody, I found Jesus. Never happened like that. Jesus was never lost. God was never lost. You and I were lost. Matthew was not looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for Matthew. And I'll I'll tell you, man, I don't don't know why you came in here this morning. I don't know what brought you in here. I don't don't know what you are looking for. I don't know what you were hoping to encounter as a part of this morning. But uh, did you know that whether or not you came in here looking for Jesus or not, that you can meet Jesus and he can change your life in an instant? And you didn't even have to be looking for him. You didn't even have to know that you were lost. You didn't even have to walk in here saying, you know what, if, if I can find Jesus in here, I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him home with me. I'm going to find him and celebrate. Matthew was not looking for Jesus, but Jesus stepped into this man's life and changed it in an instant. Now I want you to see what Jesus saw when he walked into this man's life. Now again, this is Matthew telling the story. This is what Jesus saw when he saw me. Scripture does not say that Jesus walked up and saw a tax collector. It says that he saw a man named Matthew who was currently collecting taxes. Now, tax collectors were the lowest of the low. Tax collectors in this century, they stole from the rich people and from the poor people. They used their authority and their power to gain influence over people, uh, to manipulate people, to bribe people. They were professional manipulators, government workers that Everyone hated, the rich, the poor, the outsiders, the inside. everybody hated tax collectors. And that's what everyone else saw when they saw this man sitting at a tax collector's booth. But that is not what Jesus saw when he walked up. Now think about this. From Matthew's perspective and for yours as well, what do you think about when you think about what God thinks about when God thinks about you? 
What do you think about when you think about what God thinks about when God thinks about you? Because most people are convinced that when God thinks about them, God sees my mistakes. God sees my shortcomings. God sees how long I've been running from him. God sees how many things I've done against him. God sees how bad of a person I am. And when everybody else in the story saw Matthew and thought, Ooh, tax collector. Oh my gosh, this is great. He is so terrible. Can you, you know the things he's done. Do you know who he's stolen from? Scripture says that Jesus saw a man. Not what the man had done, not the mistakes that he had made, not how long he had been making them, not the many times he had fallen short, not even the current sin that he was in. Scripture says he was there presently collecting taxes at the booth. No, Jesus didn't see any of that. Jesus saw a man. Jesus saw a person with a name. Not your mistakes, not your sins, not your shortcomings. He sees you. Every single person. And just like this man, Matthew, every person has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. For the first time, Matthew said, someone looked at me, and instead of judging me for what I had done, instead of identifying me with my past and even what I was currently doing, someone saw me for me. Now, what do you think God would say to somebody that was caught in sin. Like if God just kind of broke the door down when you were in the middle of sinning, not sinning yesterday, not thinking about sinning tomorrow, but in the middle of stealing, cheating, and manipulating people. Here's what God said. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. He did not walk up and chew him out. He did not yell at him. Jesus did not walk up to one of the most sinful, hideous, hated, detestable types of people, and he did not look at him and say, you need to stop it. Can't believe you're doing that. Oh my goodness. How do you sleep at night? What kind of monster are you? Are you really doing that right in front of me? Can you believe, can you believe this guy? Look at this. Nope. He looked at him and said, hey, Matthew, come and follow me. See, most people don't believe that God would say that to you. Most people believe, and unfortunately they've had an encounter maybe with a Christian that claims to represent Jesus and talk like this. They say, hey, all right, so here's the deal. Like, I love you, but you have to clean your life up, okay? Like, you're not going to be able to talk like that anymore. You're not going to be able to act like that anymore. You're not going to be able to hang out like that anymore. Notice that Jesus did not come up to Matthew and say, stop collecting taxes, and then you can come with me. Stop being sinful, and then you can hang out with me. Then you can be on my teams. Go to IRS rehab, okay? Graduate from that, and then when you get out, then you can join our team. I'll meet you back here in two weeks. Go to rehab, and when you get out, then you can be a part of my team. He did not give him a command. He gave him an invitation. Hey, Matthew, just like you are right now, busted up. Caught in the act of sinning, not perfect, far from God, never followed God a day in your life, just like you are. Come and, come and follow me. I think it'd be better if Christians today would allow God to change people in his way and in his timing instead of ours. 
Instead of expecting people to do certain things and act certain ways and do it on our timing, instead of looking at people and saying, all right, so now you, need, you better straighten yourself up. Hey, you better, you, better, you better clean yourself off. You better make sure you don't look like that or smell like that or talk like that or act like that. Like now, now that you know who Jesus is, now that, now that you've been given the invitation, I wonder what would happen if more Christians were more like Jesus. And simply issued an invitation for people to say, come and follow me. Right now, just right where you're at. Wherever your mind is, wherever you're at spiritually, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you're currently doing. The invitation is come and follow me. I wonder if instead of chastising people for not making enough progress, I wonder what would happen if Christians would celebrate every single small little step that people made. And it starts with an invitation of just just come on, just stand up and follow me. We, we do this with our, with our kids. Remember, if, you, if you're a parent here, remember when your kid took their very first step? First of all, let me tell you what, it wasn't a step, okay? They stood up and they fell forward. <laughs> and, and on the way, falling forward, they had one leg in front of the other. <laughs> so, like, let's not call it walking yet, okay? <laughs> what happens when they do that? Do the parents, like, jerk the kid up and be like, no, sir, you do not. If you're going to walk, is your last name Klein? Okay, then. Well, we walk with a stride, Okay. Like, no, we, if you can't walk, then stay down. You don't take this one stumbling, falling forward step. You put one foot in front of the other, and you get a little stride with you. That's how we do it. No. No, of course not. When our kids take their first step, we celebrate. But for some reason, Christians look at people that are far from God and say, if you can't run from day one, then you're not in. Like, you might as well just stay down. What if we got to the point where Jesus was at and he would celebrate every time somebody took a small step? Even if they weren't where you were or they weren't where they could be. What if just one small step were celebrated? What if just the invitation was issued to follow? Jesus looked at him and said, come and follow me. Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and with Jesus' disciples. I like how Scripture breaks this down into categories. Did you know that there were categories of people in society? And we see two of them right here, and I think it's so interesting. He says there were two groups of people at the party with Jesus and his disciples. There were the sinners and the tax collectors, right? I mean, can you believe, like, sinners is bad enough, but did you know that there's a category worse than sinners? It was tax collectors, like, everybody that's sinning like crazy was like, you know what, I know I'm bad, but at least I'm not a tax collector. Like, those guys are crazy. They steal from everybody. They manipulate everybody. Like, they'll steal from your grandma. It's crazy. Sinners and tax collectors were with Jesus and his disciples. These were the exact people that were blackballed from the church. The exact people that would have never been allowed in the temple to worship that would have never been allowed to come and hear the teaching of a pastor and a rabbi. They just weren't welcomed. And this story says people that were nothing like Jesus loved hanging out with Jesus. Don't miss that, okay? People that were nothing like Jesus, far from God, loved hanging out with Jesus. And I will tell you, if you're a Christian in here, and people that are far from God don't like hanging out with you, then you are not as much like Jesus as you thought you were. Because all throughout Scripture, 
We see people that were far from God, prostitutes and pimps and tax collectors and sinners and murderers and thieves. When Jesus showed up, they all got the posse together and said, let's go see Jesus. Let's go hang out with him. Hey, invite Jesus over. You having a dinner tonight? We're going to throw a big party. Did you invite Jesus and his 12 disciples? And so right there in the middle of it, they didn't have to clean their life up to sit with Jesus. They didn't have to change their language and not cuss as much when Jesus showed up. They didn't have to act differently. Like they didn't have to run and go put the wine up when Jesus rolled in. People that were far from God loved and were attracted to the Son of God on earth. And here's the setting. I don't know if you ever knew Jesus like that. Like some people would say, well, if Jesus were here today, where would he be? He wouldn't be in church. (laughs) He'd be hanging out with people that were far from God, just like he always did. Because those were the people that were most interested in Jesus. Hey, if, if you're not a Christian here today, if you don't know Jesus... If you got in your mind that you don't like Jesus, you don't know the real Jesus. Because history tells us that people that were far from God, that never wanted to have anything to do with church or God, loved being around Jesus and hearing from Jesus and learning from Jesus. Verse 11, when when the Pharisees saw this, when the religious people saw this, When the church people saw that Jesus was hanging out with people that were far from God, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus, (laughs) you like that? They were trying to be stealthy. They were talking to the disciples, and they were like, Why is he hanging out with him? Jesus was like, What? You say something? But you won't say that in my face. What you got to say? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you the answer to it right now. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. But the sick, I love that Jesus said that in front of everybody. Like he's at the house party. He's like, what am I doing here? Hey, turn the music down real quick. What am I doing here? I'll tell you why. Because these people are sick. <laughs> I didn't come here to hang out with you church people. These people are crazy. You see these people? They're sick. They're sick and they need a, a doctor. It's not you guys that need a doctor. You're fine. You're whatever. These people are, are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. That was a bold move by Jesus right there. Bold move that in front of all of those people, he called them sick to their face. It wasn't like he, he pulled the religious people over and he's like, hey guys, I'm going to keep this on the down low because this is my ministry. Like I'm trying to reach these people over here. I know they're crazy. I know they're far from God. They're do- Man, these guys are doing stuff I never heard of before. But that's why I came, so don't blow my cover. Ah, uh, he said it in front of everybody. These, these people are, are sick, and that's why I'm here. I want to help them. I want to show them who the real Jesus is. You know, one of the things that keeps people from taking a step with Jesus is their unwillingness to acknowledge that there's a problem. And maybe these sinners and tax collectors were sitting around in this party and and didn't know there was a problem, didn't think anything about it, didn't, didn't hesitate. And then all of a sudden, the big tall guy with the beard and the teva stands up and says, Hey, turn down the music. You know you guys are sick, right? Like real sick. And I think those sinners and tax collectors might have thought to themselves and like, Hey, uh, he's right. <laughs> I mean, bro, you a tax collector. 
You steal from everybody. You stole from your mom the other day. I mean, you cheat. Every, you remember what you did the other day? Remember that story? You are sick. You crazy. You know, he's kind of right. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Jesus. All right. So we're sick. So there's a problem. So there's sin. Well, guess what? No other religious person wanted to ever hang out with me. Every other person saw that I was sick and walked the other way. Every other person saw I needed help and didn't want to do anything about it. Nobody else wanted to be in my life. Nobody else wanted to help. Nobody else offered friendship. Nobody else gave an invitation. Not one of those religious people ever came to our house and ate, rubbed shoulders with us, told jokes with us, laughed with us, pumped the music loud with us, did some dance moves, called us sick. That was bold. Nobody's ever done that. Jesus acknowledged in front of them that they were sick. He did not ignore their sin. He did not minimize it. He did not look at them and say, like, I know y'all are crazy sick, but it's no big deal. You'll get over it. He just called it out. He just told them like it was. said, yeah, there's a problem. All of us have a problem. It's called sin. We've all made mistakes. We've all screwed up. We're at a place right now where, yeah, we're sick. And when you're sick, you need a doctor. And Jesus said, that's why I came. That's why I came, not just for healing now, not just to change your life now, but to change your eternity. Because the reality is this. If you and I got to heaven by being good people, none of us would be there. It'd be empty right now. If it was on our ability to be good enough to get there. And Jesus communicates to Matthew he communicates to the sinners and the tax collectors, and he stares the religious people in the face and says, nothing disqualifies you from an invitation to follow Jesus. Nothing. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care if you're in the middle of sin right now, that you haven't even repented of it. I don't care if you weren't even looking for Jesus, that you didn't even expect to hear from him. No matter how far you've gone, no matter how long you've been there, no matter what you've done, Jesus invitation is the same to Matthew as it is to you and I today. Come and follow me. Two groups of people he gave the invitation to, and I, I appreciate so much that the invitation was a small step. Jesus did not make Matthew go the whole way the first time he spoke. He just said, hey, Matthew, here's the first step, man. Stand up from the tax booth and come with me. Just hang out. Just get to know me. I'm not talking about the Jesus you've heard about. I'm talking about the real Jesus. Because you and I are going to go some places you never thought I'd go. And I know things about you that you never thought I knew. And guess what? I still walked up to this table and looked at you in the eye and called you by your name and said, come and follow me. That thing doesn't scare me. Nothing intimidates me. He's the son of God. Man, he raised from the dead. Got out the tomb. You think your sin intimidates him? You think he's scared off by something you've said or done in the past? Even by words that you've yelled out to him in anger or resentment? You think that intimidates him? He stared a tax collector in the face and said, come and follow me. Regardless of where you are, what you've done, regardless of what you believe, the invitation is there. Just like it was for Matthew, just like it was for me, come and follow. That's who the real Jesus is. So I want to ask you this morning, just like Jesus asked Matthew, I just want to ask you to take a, take a step. 
this morning. I'm not asking you to run the whole thing. I'm not asking you to flip the switch overnight. I'm just asking you to take, take one small step. We do this thing here at Revo called the five-week challenge where we ask people, just, just, give me five. Give me five weeks. Come back five times because over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about who the real Jesus is. I'm not talking about that fake Jesus. I'm not talking about that Jesus from the TV preacher or that somebody else told you. About. I'm talking about the real Jesus. We're going to look at the word and see the real Jesus. And I'm telling you, like five times. Here's the deal. Today counts as one of them, okay? So you're already 20% of the way there. You can't back out now. You, you got 20% down. Come on now. Four more times come back to find out who the real Jesus is. Maybe you were like Matthew and you were observing from a distance. You've heard some things. But just come and follow. Just five times. Here's the deal. You come back four more times. If you hate it, you never have to come back again. Except on Christmas. Everybody comes back on Christmas. So what's at stake? Man, I, I think that over the next four weeks, if you find out who Jesus really is, you'll be just like the tax collectors and sinners. And you'll want to be wherever he's at. And you'll learn about Jesus for the first time and realize if Jesus can change that person's life and they loved it so much, then maybe there's a plan for me. Maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe there's an open door for me. Maybe your next step is just to decide right now. I'll come back next week. I'll see you Sunday. I'll give you another chance. Yeah, you got some good jokes. I like you. That music was cool. I like painting. These seats are comfortable. That coffee was average. These people are cool. I'll give it another chance. Who knows, man? Your relationship with Jesus may start by hanging out with other people whose life's already been changed by Jesus. Maybe you've already taken your first step. You know Easter. You know the story. You know the death, the resurrection. You know the tomb was rolled away. So many reasons to celebrate. Maybe you know what Jesus is about. Maybe you've been observing from a distance. But maybe like Matthew, you've never truly encountered him personally. Maybe your next step it's to say, hey, Nathan, if that's who Jesus is, then I want to know him. Like, I want to know. I got some questions, but I want to know him. Like, if he's willing to look at Matthew, then maybe he can look at my life and change mine. And like, I, can we talk? Like, I got some questions. Like, can we, can we sit down? There's a, a, a red next step card in your chair. There's a little tear off at the bottom in a box that says, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. If you, if you check that box, man, you drop it in the offering basket as it goes by. A little bit later, one of our team members would love to shoot you a text this week and just to say, hey, this is what Jesus has done in my life. If you got any questions, I want to help you. I'd love to introduce you to the man that walked into my life and changed it in an instant. I'd love to introduce you to the person that knew every sin that I have ever done and how far away I was from God and still looked at me and said, Nathan, come and follow. Come on, my team, come on. Just, just one step, just one step. Just one step, and let's see what God can do. For those of you that claim to be followers of Jesus, if you're on Team Revo, uh, listen, I want you to know something. This church is not about believing the right things or knowing the right things to say or wearing the right clothes or just showing up and jumping through the religious hoops. Um, we're not into just behaving the correct way. Just like Jesus, he came to call. He came to call. He said, I have come to call the sinners. Give people an invitation. This is what we're all about, man. Giving people an invitation to ultimately know and follow Jesus. If you're on Team Revo, that's what you do. 
you give people an invitation to come and follow. Come, not come and clean your life up. Not come once you get yourself figured out. Not come if you're perfect. If we find out you're perfect, we will kick you out this church so fast and make your head spin. It's a simple invitation. Come to follow. Come and see. Jesus did not die a gruesome death on the cross and raised three days later just to give another church a chance to make people jump through religious hoops. He did not do that for you. He did not do that for Matthew, and he does not do that for people that are far from God. That's not what we're about. It's a simple invitation. Family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, come and follow. Just taking a simple step. Passionately inviting others to encounter the real Jesus. And that's what I hope you heard and encountered while you were here today. Real people worshiping the real Jesus because he really changed our lives. That's why we celebrate Easter.